This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another program. I'm Sensei Michelle. I'm here with Sensei Jackie. Hi. Landon. Hello. And today, our guest is Sensei Max. Well, I've known Sensei Max almost all of his life. He is the son of my friend Sensei Tracy, who's been on the show, and the brother of Sensei Sam, who's been on the show. Years ago, when Max was in college and majored in psychology, he started exploring rites of passage in modern society, and he's written quite a bit about it. He's in the middle of starting a blog and a small consulting business that goes with it. And when we know more about the name of all that on another episode, we're definitely going to promote it for him. But in the meantime, hey, Sensei Max, and thanks for being here. Hi, Senseis. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. Sensei Max spends the majority of his time in a monastery. And as you know, from everything from our story about the Shaolin to other people we've talked to, I'm very interested in that monastic life. I did describe that correctly, didn't I, Sensei? Yes, yeah. So can we just start by you kind of giving us a background of how you first jumped into one? Ooh, I, I hope I didn't insult by saying the word jump. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, good. <laughs> And where it was and what that first experience was like. Can we just start there? Yeah, sure. Sensei Michelle is um, pretty depressed in college. Yeah, I felt like I was lost. My dad had passed away about two years prior. And I was I was basically searching for meaning. And I, w- I was very open to new experiences. And a friend told me about someone they knew who had done something called a, a Vipassana meditation retreat. And I had expressed my interest in meditation to them. So they, they recommended that I get in touch with this person. And I talked to this person. It was this 10 day, basically 10 hour day meditation retreat. And it sounded like something that I would really not so much enjoy, but something that would challenge me. So uh, I ended up signing up for it and doing it. And it opened up a whole new world for me because I never experienced a sense of well-being to that caliber before I had done this meditation retreat. And I was, I was always interested in psychology. So as I learned more about this meditation, I realized that these were, these were techniques and strategies that were devised over 2,500 years ago by the Buddha and by you know, these, these ascetics uh, in, in ancient India. And modern-day psychology was basically just now catching up with with these different techniques you have like mindfulness based stress reduction because i had that experience i I thought well maybe the the buddha knew what he was talking about so i wanted to get closer to you know the teachings and find find experts in in that field so that brought me to monasteries and then so the first one i went to was a place called wat metta which is in southern california and that was my first kind of introduction into it Okay, I'm going to start with my first question. You know the 10-day retreat? Yeah. Where was that? Yeah, that was in Jessup, Georgia. Oh, (laughs) wow. And was that run by a monastic group or was that run by college people? Who was in charge of that and what was their demeanor like? So it's an interesting organization. The main teacher was S.N. Goenka, and he was a student uh, of another teacher in Southeast Asia. And he, he developed this model of intensive meditation retreats 
and it, it basically spread like wild, wildfire. They have they have these centers all over the world, and they're run entirely on donation. Okay, questions. Number one, would you like to give a shout out to the name of the group so that if people were interested in that 10-day experience, they could find that? Do you believe that would be a good starting point for someone who is interested in this journey? That would be one option. There are various introductory points. If someone wants something very, very intense and, and they feel comfortable with that, then they can start with uh, a Vipassana retreat. So it, they're, they're called Vipassana retreats. Uh, Sensei Jackie just pulled that up. So she's going to spell it for us just in case people want it. V-I-P-A-S-S-A-N-A. Now, my second question about that is, what is the length of meditation on any given day in any of your experiences? Like the shortest one I ever did was Bloom and some of, at some of the places I've been, it's this long. So there's this idea of many habits. So in order to kind of lessen the, the anxiety or the, maybe the stress of starting a new habit, it can be really helpful to start like really small, but not just kind of small, like obscenely and absurdly small. So how that might look is me saying something like, okay, all I have to do is sit on the mat. That's all I have to do. Just sit on the meditation mat. If I want to, if I want to meditate and, and meditate for five, 10 minutes, an hour, sure. But all I require of myself right now is to sit down there. So it would be something as small as that for myself. For group meditations, I've, I've been to one where we have interval bells, and the interval bells will chime basically every 10 minutes. So 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then 45 minutes, and then an hour. So people can stay for as long as they want. They can stay for just 10 minutes or stay for the full hour. When you're in that situation, the one with the bells, do you have a leader who starts you out and speaks to you, or are you on your own from the time you sit on the mat? Is that too childish of a question, by the way? No, no. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's important because having some guidance is really, really helpful. Yeah, so at this particular meditation, I could give a, a shout out to Gary, who runs that. It's at the Unitarian Universalist Church on Flamingo and 595 thereabouts. And Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's in that Vipassana style, so it's just... And we do breath meditation, but he'll he'll start off with a guided a guided meditation. So he'll just lead us through that, helping us be aware of as we breathe in, breathe out. But does he guide you on what to look at or for, or is it basically um, just let your mind go and don't try to contain? Yeah. So there's there's various styles. In this particular style, it is it's called anapanasati, so mindfulness of breathing. So he'll have us focus on the in and out breath. So as the breath goes in, being aware that the breath is going in, and as it goes out, being aware that the breath is going out. And there's different areas that one can focus on when they do Anapanasati, like that little area by the nostrils. You could f feel the sensation of the air going in through the nostrils. You can feel the, the chest and stomach rising as the air goes in. Those are areas of focus. Okay, pausing my big mouth and asking Sensei Jackie and Landon, up to this point, do you have any questions? When you go into the area where the meditation is going to be, is there someone who welcomes you, who helps you find where you should sit? Is it like a warm feeling from the person that's leading the meditation? 
Yeah, great question. So at the center, the Unitarian Center on Flamingo, yeah, we, we have that when you walk in. So someone's there to greet you and to give you a little introduction and to, to welcome you. In terms of the monasteries I've, I've gone to, the experiences have varied. It, it depends on if anybody's down in the reception area at the particular time that I would show up. Yeah, I've, I've had really, really friendly and kind encounters with, with monastics and you know, people at monasteries. I know you've spent some time in quite a few different monasteries. Is there any of them that you would like to give a specific shout out to? Not that to say it's your favorite, but your experience really helped in, to shape you. Is one of them quite different from another one? Or are they all quite similar? And also, specifically, where are they? Like, are they all in the United States? Have you gone to different countries? Have they all spoken English so far? See, I'm just all over the map here, aren't I? No, that's that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've had experience at some in, in various countries, and I've been to some where they only speak Thai. I would say the monasteries that have been the most supportive in and educational for me would be Wat Metta, Metaphorist Monastery in the San Diego area, Abayagiri Monastery, which is in Northern California, a few hours north of San Fran, and probably Wat Khao Yai, which is a monastery in Thailand. In Thailand, most of the monks don't speak English, but there were some people who spoke English, so I I was fine. There's there's plenty of people in Thailand who do speak English, so it's not too difficult to get around. And at Baigiri and Metaphorist, most of the monks are, are Western and they and they speak English. So communication is no problem. Sensei Max, what is a day in a monastery like? So a typical day on, on a regular schedule, and I'll use a Baigiri as an example for this. So I would wake up maybe around four AM and hike 20 minutes down the mountainside to the the annex and you know maybe maybe if i had enough energy i would do some yoga exercising to get my blood flowing and get ready for the 5 a.m meditation and that would go on until around 6 30 a.m with with the chanting and the meditation and then we would have a 30 minute chore period after that there would be a short breakfast period and then maybe a work meeting from 7.30 a.m. for another half an hour. Then we'd do some cleanup. And then we'd have a, a morning work period from around 8.15 a.m. to 10.30, 10.45. Lunch would be 11. And then we'd have lunch cleanup. And that would go on until around maybe 12.15. Then we'd have a, a bit of free time for practice. So training, walking around the monastery loop trail meditating, doing some doing some reading. And then we'd have tea at 5.30 p.m. Then we would have another meditation session at 7 and do some chanting. And, and then that would be it. Go back to our huts and call it a night. When you say working period, what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. So for working period, during our work meeting, we would be assigned different jobs. So basically just depend on what needed to get done at the monastery someone always has to be working in the kitchen so that would be a standard thing so we'd have we would have guests working in the kitchen and it could involve some outside labor me cleaning up the the dirt trails raking leaves doing some building projects 
working on some maintenance, doing some audio work for the website. Can I ask you about the chant? Is it a lot like what people see in the movies? The monks have 227 precepts. So the real focus is just being careful with their speech in terms of being truthful and you know saying things at the appropriate time. But there's, there's not too many restrictions on topics that they can talk about. There are some topics that they, they can't really talk about, but it, it's more so to do with like bragging and, and things of that nature. So a lot like what karate people should be. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Or really be, people, be... right? We could just take the word karate out and just say people. Us, sensei, yeah. For the chanting, basically a lot of it is just teachings from, from the Buddha and it's been converted into kind of a melodic chant. Oh, okay. So, so it, it, it could be like a, could I say this and not be too wrong? A sing-song method of saying one of your precepts. Yeah, yeah. So it could be it could be the precepts. It could be a lesson the Buddha gave, like talking about ways of training. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a chant on the Anapanasati Sutta, which is just meditation instructions. So they took the, the instructions for, for meditation and they turned it into a chant. Do you have a favorite one? That's a good question. Well, I mean, I, I like the Eightfold Path, so there's a chant on the Eightfold Path, so yeah, I could pick that one for now. But uh, but you like a lot, so it's hard to pick just one. Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> one day when we have time, we'll have a conversation about uh, some of the precepts from Buddhism, because I think we would also find that fascinating. Don't you, Sensei Jackie? I definitely do, and I believe that some of those precepts would apply in so many different areas of thought. I'm 100% sure you're right on that. But Landon, I think you had a question over there. A sensei. So Sensei Max, when you went to the monastery, was there something that you were happy to get away from while you were there? Like in the out, you're talking about getting away from the in our world? A sensei. That's nice. Good question. I would I would say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How about you just so, name two or three of the craziness things that you're glad to leave behind? Well, it's really nice to have this this sense of quiet at the monastery that it's really hard to get when I'm not there. Having this community of people there that are endeavoring to to train their minds and to progress and in, in their well-being and spirituality. It's really nice to have that people that are really, really focused on that and who are supportive in that way. Not to say there aren't people out there that are not at the monastery that are like that, but it, it's really concentrated and focused. So it, it's nice to have that support. Us. 100% understand. Oh, yes. And in addition, when you are in the monastery, are there things that you missed from being home? Yeah, yeah. Although I, I do like the framework of the schedule that they have at the monastery, I, I do kind of enjoy the freedom of being able to have more control over my schedule. Oh, that's very interesting. I would have never thought about that. That's a good one that I didn't see coming either. Good one. What's the longest amount of time you've spent in the monastery at any given point? It was actually my most recent one, which was four months at a Bayagiri monastery. Okay. I know you've got a question over there, Sensei Jackie. Do um, monasteries have a hierarchy or a, a chain of command? And if they do, are, is it the same chain of command throughout the monastic world? Oh, interesting. So it depends on the tradition of, of Buddhism 
that it's in. So the monasteries that I go to are Thai forest monasteries. So that originates from some really intent monks wandering the forests of Thailand and regenerating the efforts and practices that go into the meditative path. But even within that tradition, there are different styles. So in the Maha Nikaya, which is one, one style, there are two levels that someone can have before they even become fully ordained monks. And, and those are Anagarikas and Samaneras. And then those are usually about a year each. And then after, after someone's a Samanera, they can ordain as a, as a bhikkhu, which is a full monk. Then it, and the, the hierarchy is just based on how many years someone has been a monk for. But does each monastery have its abbot or whatever they call it? In the head guy? Yes. Yeah. So at Abayagiri, there are currently co-abbots, but soon it will be just one abbot. They also have a guiding elder who is Longpur Pasano. He doesn't deal with the administrative tasks as much anymore, but he he's there to guide the community and support it spiritually. Oh, that's uh, cool. That makes sense. A special respect and a special place for an elder. I really like and admire that. So do I. Nice. Yes. And then in the Damayut, which is the other Thai forest tradition, I'll use Wat Metta as an example. So there, there's a period of about a year where someone is, is a Naga. That's before they become a, a fully ordained monk. And then after that, that one year period, they can fully ordain. And it's just, it's one abbot there. Um, Master Clayton used to say, Goju is the system, but you, the sensei, and your dojo, you are the style. In other words, you create your own flavor on what is going on at any given point. So it sounds to me a little bit like that could also be said of the different monasteries. All the monasteries follow a, a set of precepts for Buddhism and the monks, but then each one has its own little flavor. Definitely. Okay, cool. And are, are all of the monasteries for men? Ooh, good one. They also have monasteries for women. Are, are, are monks allowed to marry? Not in the Thai forest tradition, but also within the Thai forest tradition, there are different orders. So, so I think I think in the in the Zen Japanese tradition, they're allowed to marry. I see. I have a totally different way to go here than the marriage thing, and that is. When we read the story of the Shaolin Monastery out of Peter Urban's book, The Cruddy Dojo, it was about how the monks taught themselves to fight for self-defense. Was there any kind of combative training within any of the systems that you ever got familiar with? Not the ones that I looked into in particular. Okay, so that really wraps up my questions at this point. Sensei, Max, is there anything that you'd like to add? Sure, I, I just thought I would tie in some martial arts ideas with the meditation practice nice and so in terms of some of my favorite quotes from the teachings of the buddha one of them i really enjoy is better than one who would conquer a thousand times a thousand men in battle is he who would conquer himself and we've gone down that road so many times in this podcast that your biggest competitor is yourself one more please so we have this teaching in karate that I remember. It's very simple. Take in the good and discard the bad. So in the Eightfold Path, which is, which is the path that, that the Buddha teaches in Buddhism, one of the facets of that is called right effort. We basically want to encourage and arouse energy to maintain beneficial habits 
and to encourage new beneficial habits, and also to abandon and prevent habits that are not beneficial. Basically, it's like an expanded version of the, the take in the good, discard the bad. Definitely is. Yes. We've, we've discussed that actual virtue on this show. It could have been in episode one, but I can't swear to it. I don't know, but I love that one. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Now, see, that was wonderful. I loved hearing that. Do you have one more for me? This is another foundational one. And it goes, if by giving up a lesser happiness, one may behold a greater one, let the wise man give up the lesser happiness in consideration of the greater happiness. Wow, that's a good that's one. That's good. Okay, so here's the situation. You're getting heavy on me now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I did have one that would lighten things up. That was a, a funny encounter oh, with one of cool. the Cool. I love a funny encounter. Okay. And this is just an, an example of Ajahn Pasano's sense of humor, who is the guiding elder at Abayagiri Monastery. So me and some of the other retreat members, we were discussing that our, our, a lot of our fathers had passed away. And, and there was like this kind of void that that created for us. And Ajahn Pasano walked in on us while we were having that discussion. And one of the, one of the members told him what we were talking about. And he jokingly said, you know, since, since we lost our fathers, you can be our adoptive father. You can fill in that, that role for us. And Ajahn Pasano, he, he just smiled big and he said, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad he was in touch with the world. That's fantastic. Perfect. All right. With that, I am going to say thank you so, so much for taking your time to hang out with us and talk with us and so on and so forth. I just had such a great time here. I learned so much. I had a great time too. Thanks so much for having me. All right. You know what we need to do, Landon, is we need to do the contact information. If you would like more information about this or any of the other podcasts we've had, one of the ways to get in touch with us is through our Facebook page at Wildcat Dojo. How else, Sensei Jackie? You can email us at dojoconversations at aol.com. And I guess that that leaves me with our text and voicemail at 954-350-1915. And you can visit our website at wildcatdojo.com. You're the best, Landon. All right, guys, I'm closing it out. Everybody say bye. 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 I'm going to sign off. Bye. Bye, Sensei Max. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Who are you going to call for all your karate needs? Honor Athletics, of course. To order, call for personal service at 770-945-5150. You can also order all your karate needs and more online at honorathletics.com. And hey, guys. Don't forget to use the code WILDCATDOJO as you're checking out for your 10% discount. As always, thanks, Honor Athletics. And everybody in the audience, thanks for going out and checking them out. We appreciate that as well. I'll second you. <laughs>